Okay. You can uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 23. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, because you got handed a sheet, right, when you came in. Do you all have that sheet? Okay. That's Psalm 23 as well. I want you to turn there because I want you to get in the habit of finding stuff in your Bible. And, and, and that's important, uh, that, that you know where stuff is. Psalms, obviously, it's kind of in the middle of the Bible in Psalm 23. Now, we're going to look at that today, but first a little bit of review. You know, we talked last week about John 10.10, 10, which says this, The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they have it more abundantly. That's two different agendas. We have the thief and we have Jesus. And, and the thief is this, this, you know, one that would want to take. And we saw that Jesus was speaking to those in front of him, those false teachers. And there are a lot of false teachers out there today, too. Now, we know that Satan is also behind a lot of that stuff. And he, he is, his agenda and motive is the same. But we need to be watching out for the heretics and the charlatans and the abusers, the new prophets and those that tickle the ears. Like Paul said in, uh, uh, excuse me, like Acts 17 says that, that the Bereans, they were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. They received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They didn't just take Paul's word for it. They wanted to make sure that it was biblical, that it was true. And that's very, very important. Very, very important. Otherwise, you and I are sitting ducks. If we don't know what the Bible says. We're sitting ducks. Jesus, on the other hand, he came to give, not to take, to give us life, that zoe, and not just life, but, but it says abundant life exceedingly abundantly, over and above, this exuberant affair, full of joy of the Lord, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, someone said. But does that mean, as some of these false teachers will say, that abundant life means wealth, prestige, power? Is that what, is that what Jesus is speaking about, or is it deeper than that? I think it's much deeper than that. And it begins with a relationship with Him. This is where life is, where we have a relationship with Him. I love that quote. I'm going to put it up again. David Guzik, he said, Abundant life isn't an especially long life. Abundant life isn't an easy life, but abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. I love that. I love that. And, and, and that's going to lead right into our study today. We're going to study and look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is basically, it's called by different names, the Lord is my shepherd or the shepherd's psalm. But really, this Psalm 23 is really descriptive of the life that Jesus was talking about in John 10.10. And as we look at that, you'll see, now we're only going to look at part of it today, but, but Psalm 23 is, is most incredible, it's beautiful. There's no poetry, I think, on the planet that, that matches the, the beauty and the poetry of Psalm 23. I really believe that. It's helpful, it's comforting, it's so much more. I said this last week, and 
And I want to say it again that, that one of the reasons that I gave the sheet to you is I want you to memorize Psalm 23. You say, well, I can't memorize anything. I think you can. It's only six verses. There was a pastor in Philadelphia. His name was Boyce, uh, James Montgomery Boyce. And he said this. He said, millions of people have memorized this psalm. Even those who have learned few other scripture portions. They've never memorized anything else, but they memorized Psalm 23. He says, ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials, suffering illness, or dying. He said, for some, the words of this psalm have been the last that they have ever uttered in life. Last words they ever said in life was Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd. It's been used uh, since David wrote this psalm in so many, many different ways, in so many different people's lives. I know it's been a powerful thing in my life. I memorized it when I was a young believer. I still have it. I need to refresh myself sometimes, but to, to sit and, and to go over it again and again in your own mind, maybe when you can't sleep. Uh, you remember, I, I looked at this psalm six years ago. Uh, I found my notes, and it was, it was when I had had the uh, detached retina. You remember that? And I, you know, I couldn't read. They said, don't read anything, but you have to... You have to kind of sit at a 45-degree angle and stay there. And you can't read anything. Okay, everybody go to a 45-degree angle. Yeah, there we go. Some of you went the other way. That's cool. <laughs> so I couldn't do anything. I couldn't read anything. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't do anything. But, but the words of this psalm, the Lord used in my life because I had it in there. That's why it says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And unless you get these words into you, they can't help you. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in England uh, in the last century, uh, in the 1800s, I should say, uh, he pointed this out that Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22. You say, well, duh, what a brilliant man he was. Does anybody know what Psalm 22 is called? The Psalm of the Cross. The Psalm of the Cross. You'll find in there, you'll read in there the, 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 prof, the prophetic portions about Jesus going to the cross. Psalm 23, following the Psalm of the Cross. That's powerful. But look what he said. Now, Actually, he didn't say this, but he quoted this by another guy who was kind of, uh, I believe, one of his contemporaries by the name of Beecher. But look at, the language is a little old, but it's so cool. Psalm 23 has put more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts. Don't you like that? More black doubts. More thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? Yep. Psalm 23 can do those things for you and for me. We're only going to look at the first two verses today. And, you know, there is so much in, in the Scripture. There's so much in the words of God and, and in the Word of God. You know, and I thought, you know, uh, 
two verses, you know, is that going to be enough until I started to dive into it and realize that it's like, it's like you know, you're diving into a, 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 an ocean that is so deep. Now, we're not going to be able to look at everything. We don't have enough time because we have, at 11.45, we have. You're all ready for it, I know. But Psalm 23, the reason I gave you the white sheet is because this is actually like the New King James Version, which I think is uh, more poetic and more accurate. And that's, that's the ver- I actually learned it in the old King James. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. So, but, but I think the new King James is okay. You don't have to say maketh, right? But I want, what I want you to do right now, we're only going to look at the first two verses, so I want you to look at your sheet and say those words with me. In fact, I want you to stand up and say those word, words with me. That's what they would do sometimes. They'd stand, stand up to read the scripture, right? So let's read those first two verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Okay, you can sit down. Even if you only got the first part of the first verse, you'd be doing okay. There was a, there was a, a story, of, you know, and I guess people would do this, they'd use their five fingers to help memorize things. So the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's the first verse. And, and, and you know, even if you can just uh, remember that, There's so much power in it. Notice, though, it starts off with the Lord. And then if you look down to the the end of verse 6, how does it end? The Lord forever. It begins with the Lord and it ends with the Lord. And you know, this abundant life is the same thing. The life that you and I have, it begins with the Lord and it ends with the Lord. It's all wrapped up in who He is. This word, Lord... Uh, Most of you know this already, but I'm going to point it out anyways. Do you notice how the the word Lord is capitalized there? Now, it's not always capitalized. All the letters are not always capitalized. The first letter always is. But but, uh, when you see L-O-R-D, all caps, that means that the word of the name is Yahweh, right? Y-H-W-H. It's the what they call the tetragrammaton, the four letters. And, and, and they stand, really, what that is, is, is the, the proper name of the Lord. You say, why are you talking about that? Because when you think about what David is saying, he's saying the Lord, this God, this eternal God, whose proper name is Yahweh, he, he is the one who is my shepherd. That makes a big difference. Just that the Lord's my shepherd. Oh yeah, so what? Who cares? No, the Lord is my shepherd. The proper name of the supreme God, I, I read it, it. 
Someone else said the self-existent, the eternal, the one who is. Literally, the, the, the name means, his name means the one who is. This is the one who is my shepherd. This is the one who is your shepherd if you have surrendered to him. And of course, Jesus says in the New Testament, John 10, 11, as you see in your sheet, sheet there, it says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The Father and the Son are one. Jesus said that. So, so it says here, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and the interesting thing about this, and I discovered this in, in uh, guess where I discovered this? You are amazing. You guys are learning something. I don't know if you've ever opened up the Blue Letter Bible, but you know what it's called. I discovered this about the word shepherd. It's not just a noun. It's actually a verb. Isn't that interesting? Well, why? It's because the Lord is shepherding me. The Lord is the one who is shepherding me. He's, he's, he's my shepherd who is shepherding me. That means it's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing. He just shepherded you into the gates of the kingdom, and then he left you on your own just to see how, you know, how far you could go, how long you could make it on your own. Oh, cry out, and maybe he'll show up. No, he's actively shepherding us. That's the one that David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The word shepherd means to tend or to pasture or to shepherd, to rule, to feed, to teach, to graze, all those things. Now, David, did he not know something about shepherding? He did. How did he know? He went to school. He took a course. Sheep husbandry, or something like that. No, David was taking care of his father's sheep, right? He knew what it was, and he, and he knew what it was all about. So for David to say this, it meant even that much more. David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. He knew what it was like to take care of sheep. And now he's saying that the Lord is taking care of me. He's my shepherd. He's, taking, he's shepherding me. David who ended up becoming the king of Israel, right? Who had power, he had all the things that life, you know, that you could get in this life. David is saying that he had a shepherd who was shepherding him. And, and what does that tell us for someone who had all the money, all the power, everything that he could ever have, that he still realized that he needed a shepherd? Now, I don't know about you, but you look around at some of the rulers in our world today, and that is not the kind of attitude that you see. The, the attitude is pride. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I don't need any help. I, you know, I've got it all down. I know it all. But David realized that we are all sheep. I like what someone said. He said, He's quoting, he said, he's quoting Aristotle, according to what I read here. He said, a sheep, says Aristotle, is a foolish and sluggish creature. Is that you? <gasps> foolish and sluggish. I'm feeling sluggish just trying to say that word. He said, apt to wander, though it feel no want unable to return or to find its way back, can make no moves to save itself from tempests or inundation, 
and there it stands and will perish if not rescued by the shepherd. In other words, sheep are pretty dumb, right? They're going to get themselves in all kinds of trouble. They wander off and they get themselves in places and, and they find themselves in a place they have no idea how to get back, how to, how to get you know, to where they need to be. They'll just stay there. They'll stand there and just die if the shepherd doesn't come and rescue them. Now, we know the picture of Jesus. He came as the good shepherd. He came to rescue us. That's what he came to do. But we have to, of course, cooperate with him. He doesn't force us. Notice what David said here, too. He said, the Lord is what? My shepherd. He's the one who is shepherding me. He's my shepherd. And, and for him, it was so very, very personal. And I truly believe this, that for each and every one of you, we're not, a, we're not like a crowd. Those sheep, you know, are not that smart. The sheep listens for him or her self and listens for the voice of the shepherd. But it was a very personal thing. You and I can have a personal relationship, and we must have a personal relationship with God. And it has to be personal one-on-one. -on -one. You can't get there by someone else's relationship. You can't develop a relationship through someone else. You need to develop it yourself. You remember Jacob who, in the book of Genesis, he... Anybody know what Jacob's name was changed to? Israel where we get the name of Israel from Jacob. But Jacob was at the end of his life. And, and he, he, you know, he was kind of on the, his deathbed, and he was blessing his children, right? And uh, it says this in Genesis 48, verse 15. It says, Then he blessed Joseph, one of his sons, and he said this. He said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. And then he goes on to give a blessing to his son, Joseph. He said, this God has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. I wonder, can you say that? Can I say that? That he is my shepherd, he's been shepherding my life, and, and when I get to the end of my life, can I say, he's been shepherding me, he's been taking care of me. Spurgeon said this, if, if he be a shepherd to no one else, he's a shepherd to me. He cares for me. He watches over me. He preserves me. It doesn't matter what he's doing in someone else's life. It doesn't matter what other people are doing, what, what they're not doing, whether they call upon him as a shepherd or not. Have you and I personally called upon him as a shepherd? That's what Spurgeon's talking about. Doesn't, don't, don't look and don't worry about what everybody else does like John did at the end of the Gospel of John. Uh, uh, excuse me, Peter said, you know, but Lord, what about him? Speaking about John. And what did Jesus say? Don't worry about him. You follow me. Don't worry about what the other sheep are doing. You follow me. You be my sheep. You listen for my voice. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is shepherding me. That's pretty powerful right there, that statement alone. 
That statement alone in, in, in all the facets of the life that we have on this planet, that we can call upon him as the shepherd. What does the next phrase say? Again, you, you know, if you have this memorized, you can go through some of these phrases, phrase by phrase, and, and get them in your head. Look what he says here. I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. If, if the Lord is a shepherd who's going to take care of me, provide for me, all the things that a shepherd would do, he says, I shall not want. As David Guzik said, you know, this satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. There's, there's something about this contentment, knowing that the Lord is my shepherd, and, 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 I, and I, I can be content. Because he knows he's going to take care of me. He's not, he didn't just push me out in the pasture and, and say, you know, I'll be back next week. David said in Psalm 34, he said, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Lack nothing. Paul said, My God will, will, will meet or supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's going to take care of us. Our God will take care of us. Another old commentator said this, if the Lord is my shepherd, I may conclude I shall not want anything that is really necessary and good for me. I shall be supplied with whatever I need, and if I have not everything I desire, I may conclude it is either not fit for me or not good for me, or I shall have it in due time. I shall not want, I shall not be in want. He's talking about what we need, not something that we think we want, we think we need. What is, oops, David Guzik, he said, I shall not want is, is both a declaration and a decision. The declaration is this, all my needs are supplied. All my needs are supplied by the Savior, by the Shepherd, by the Lord. But the declaration is that, but the decision is this. There is a decision in it as well. I shall not want. I decide to not desire more than, than what the Lord my Shepherd gives. I, I, I only want what He wants for me. I only need what He gives me. That's a big, big change for some of us because our society is telling us you want, you want, you need, you must have. But David says, the Lord is my shepherd and I, and I shall not want. I have everything I need. Sometimes, you know, we get twisted up thinking, you know, I, I need more of this and I need more of that and if I could only get more of this and, and, and get paid more and all these different things. But, but the Lord takes care of us doesn't matter where, whether we're on a fixed income or we're, you know, on some kind of a, you know, commission-based sale. God will take care of us. God will take care of our needs if he is our shepherd. If we've responded to him. Have you, have you asked him to be your shepherd? So let's say that verse together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See you, okay, put your paper down and see if you can say that. The Lord, 
Amazing. You just memorized the whole verse. Gosh. You know what we're going to do at the end of this? I'm going to have uh, people who have actually truly memorized them, not memorized them a long time ago, but truly memorized you. I want you to come up and we're going to give you a, like a something. A big old prize. Verse 1. Let's look at verse 2, shall we? Because we still have uh, 15, 13 minutes before the... Okay, so i got to get moving. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Well, you sort of do until you think about what he says. He makes me. If he's really your shepherd, he makes me lie down. The sheep doesn't always know what it needs or, or what's best. We, we don't always know. And we need help from the shepherd. There was a guy who wrote a book called The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Anybody ever read it? Some of you read it? And he was a, he was a true shepherd, and, but he wrote it. He looked at the psalm and he kind of put it all together. And, and he said this. He said that sheep do not lie down easily. Is that true of us? Yes. But he says this, they won't, they won't lie down easily and will not unless four conditions are met. One, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Two, they will not lie down if there is friction among them. Three, they will not lie down if flies or parasites trouble them. Or if they're anxious about food or if they're hungry, they won't lie down. But the shepherd comes and helps them with all those things. And rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with the fear and the friction and the flies and the famine, is what he said. Now, we can make obvious connections to all those th the, the, the things in our lives, you know, the food, the need for food, the, the pests, you know, the the fears that we have, the friction that we have in this life. It, it happens to all of us. All that stuff does. But the shepherd will come and help us through all of those things and allow us and enable us to lie down in green pastures where the grass is tender, where the food is plentiful, where, where rest is. Because you, you see there, you know, what does a sheep eat? Grass. Where is he lying down? In the grass. Look at that. It's all there, abundant. He's going to take care of him. And, 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 and not, not only that, but when he, when he lies down, what else does he get? Rest. rest. Right. He can rest. I don't know about you, but I get so tired. Any of you ever get tired in this life? Just tired of, of the stuff that this life entails. I get so tired and I just need rest. And you know what? I, I go before the Lord and I have my devotional time. And I, I tell you what, it's just blowing my mind how the Lord is, is opening up my, my heart and mind to the rest that he gives. It's blowing my mind. Say, well, you should know it all after 40 some odd years. No, I'm just learning. I'm just, I'm just learning. I'm just opening it up. Spurgeon said, what are the green pastures? He says, the scriptures of truth. They're always fresh. They're always rich. And they're never 
exhausted. Matthew Henry said the same thing. He, he talked about the word of God. He says, always a green pasture for faith to feed in. What feeds our spirit? It's the word of God. It's, it's incredible. Why do you think I want to get that into your hearts and into your mind, Psalm 23? And the last one, the last phrase here, this thing isn't working very well. There it is. He leads me beside the still waters. What a picture of that is, isn't it? He leads me. He gives me direction. Truth is, we could have stopped at every one of these phrases and did a whole message, but, you know, I want to get back to John at some point, sometime this year. <laughs> David said in Psalm 25, he said, Show me your ways, O Lord. This is the one who wrote Psalm 23. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And it's like the Lord answers in Psalm 32 that David also wrote down. And David says this, quoting the Lord. The Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. He says, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. The Lord says he's going to teach us. He's going to counsel us. He's going to watch over us. I love that. I love that, that, that he says he's going to counsel you. Now, I, I'm, I'm right now uh, in Psalm 119, and it's, it's all about the word of God, but it says in there that the, that the scriptures, the, the precepts, they are my counselors. And I, you know what? I'm in counseling. Any of you else in counseling? I need counseling. You know that. You, if you've listened to me more than five minutes, you know that guy needs counseling. And I need counseling, but I get counseling, and, and the scriptures, they're my counselors. They, they, the Lord speaks through his word and gives me the counseling that I need every day. Not once a week. Some of us go to counselors once a week or once a month, once a year for a checkup. I got to get it every day. He says, I will instruct you and teach you. In the way you should go, I will counsel you and watch over you. But don't be stubborn like the horse or the mule. He leads me beside the still waters. The still waters. So let's read these words again together. Let's read them out loud again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So your assignment this week is to learn and memorize those first two verses. I'm not going to let you get away with not learning. At least the first verse. Okay? Let's pray. We're going to stand and sing, and then we're going to... Why don't we stand? Let's all stand and pray, because we're going to stand and sing anyway, so let's, let's stand now.
Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word. It's so powerful. It's living. It's active. It can speak and reach into the hearts of every one of us here today. Lord, David had a, a very difficult life in a lot of different ways. Some of us have a very hard life in many different ways, but, but David knew. He knew where to go for help, and he knew where to look, and and, and he tells us the way that the Lord was his shepherd and he can be our shepherd today too. Lord God, we look to you as our shepherd, that you're shepherding us today. You're feeding us. You're guiding us. And sometimes you're making us lay down to stop and rest, even when we don't want to. Why? Because you know what's good for us. You know the best. You know what's best for me in my life, in my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit. You know that for each one of us here today, don't you, Lord? You, you have a relationship. You want a relationship with each one of us here today. You know what, you know what is going on inside of us, even right at this moment. You know the, the argument maybe that, that we're having with you right now. We don't want you to be our shepherd, or maybe we don't want to lie down, or maybe we don't want you to lead us. But Lord, I know the best way, the only way is to surrender and say yes. To bow the knee before you. Maybe just take a moment and Talk to him yourself. Speak to him in your heart. Hallelujah. Lord, you are the awesome and the mighty one. The Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. We surrender to you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.